Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This is Colossal Soprano. Go! The premier destination for soccer talk with Emmy Award winning play-by-play man Dan Dibley and international soccer savant Rick Tittle. Work it, work it. Let's kick it off. And just like that, it's another edition of Golazo Supremo Golazo! The other one is go, go, go. Like uh, you're counting uh, chimes. I'm like, oh, it's the 10 o'clock chime. Go, go, go. The soccer church tower. Usually if it gets to eight, you know, it's a spectacular goal. And then usually it's go. Right, you have to have the little inflection there. Yeah, you got to hit the high note. The uptick. Yes, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> but again, back together, Rick Tittle and Dan Dibley. Sponsor-free, probably, for the final time as we close in. We don't want to reveal the actual particulars yet, but we are efforting to bring in some good, hard-earned cash from some good people to support this, and maybe mm-hmm. that will lead to uh, a field trip someday, Rick. Perhaps, yes, a field trip and... Uh, yeah, we need to we need to have a good long talk after this because uh, it's a some place it's an establishment. I'll just mm. hint I've been going to for over thirty years. Outstanding, so. good people yes. over there, and mm. we can uh, definitely lock that down. But in the meantime, San Pablo McDonald's shout no, it out. Yes, no, the McFlurry uh, coming soon, and uh, <laughs> stay away from the Shamrock Shake. If I were you, yeah, it's, do they even have that anymore? I wonder. It's coming up on Shamrock Shake season. Wow, I remember the Arbor Day McDLTs. That was really bad. incredible. Uh, I remember Shamrock Shake gone wrong at the uh, Petaluma Plaza on McDonald's ew, up ouch. in Petaluma. But uh, that's ouchy. That's for another podcast. Yeah, Rick. So much to talk about. I don't know where you want to begin. We got uh, Copa del Rey semifinals going on, including one being played right now. Barcelona Madrid already in the books. We had an interesting week in the the Prem, so to speak, with more action coming this weekend. And also some goalkeeper calamities for your side and mine as well. Where do you want to start, Rick? Well, obviously, your Chelsea Blues Mm. were in the headlines. First of all, they got banned two transfer windows. Um, for it's funny they're going to get banned two transfer windows and they're still going to add more players than than my Tottenham did because Tottenham did not get banned and yet the last person they bought was Lucas Mora in January of 2018. They wow. just there's almost a self-imposed ban. Christian Pulisic is already a Chelsea player. He's been loaned back to Borussia Dortmund, so they're going to add Christian Pulisic even though they're going to miss out on two transfer windows. It doesn't mean they can't. Not sell. I think it's all but a fait accompli that Aiden Hazard has gone to Real Madrid. This is what they're saying anyway. But then we had the situation in the League Cup final, and you saw at the end, Man City, how much it meant to them. Did you change your mind a little bit? Because I know you think it's kind of an also-ran cup. It was a little bit more interesting seeing it at this grand stage when you've got two teams fully going for it. But uh, the calamity with Chelsea, the goalkeeper waving off the manager as he tries to sub him out. That's almost a, a fireable offense on both sides. 
Yeah, Keppa, um, apparently he made some uh, remark about how his hammy was acting up and they got Caballero ready for the uh, penalty kicks. A guy who used to play for Man City who knows them well and probably faced them in practice many times. And then uh, Maurizio Sarri and even Gianfranco Zola, the former Chelsea legend. They're screaming at Keppa to get off the field. He's waving him off, giving a thumbs up. And then after the game, the worst part was was when Sari said, oh, it was a misunderstanding. He, he castrated himself. If I played for Chelsea, I would have not one iota of respect for the man. Uh, he did go out of his way to make Roman Abramovich pay 72 million pounds to bring Kepa in. It's kind of his guy. But I would have zero respect for him if I was a player on that team now. The manager who got waved off by the goalkeeper. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's tough, though, because... In that situation, the goalie obviously wants to stay in. They all want to stay in. But was he hurt to the point where his performance cost them that victory? Well, I mean, as you saw, one he did save one penalty, but another one went right under his hand, a soft hand. The, his only way out was to be a hero in that penalty shootout. And then you could say, you know what, you're a real SOB, but you know what, let's just forget it. We won. Bring here. him in and give him a little noogie and, yeah, uh, and say, part his friends. Here, we're, we're going to have a parade down uh, you know, uh, King's Road in Chelsea. We're going to hold the cup up and everything. Everybody will be excited except Dibs. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. they won't have a parade for a cup like that. Oh, yeah, you do. Really? Oh, yeah, it's a huge cup. I keep telling you this. It's a huge cup. Look at the euphoric. Man City, this is not their first rodeo in the last few years. You saw it. But anyway, I just... Did I, they have a parade down the streets of uh, Manchester after not they yet, won the cup? Not yet, but, the, but they will. Okay. In the main road area, they won't have it, obviously, over towards uh, Old Trafford. Of course, of course. Yeah. That would rub their noses in it. We don't want to do that. Right. No, they, they wouldn't be doing that. But um, I just think that... I, I, I've, I've seen this a couple times in my life. I saw it happen in Serie A one time. And a lot of people that don't know this until it happens is that the referees cannot make that substitution happen. They'll hold up the board and they'll check the guy's cleats to make sure there's no front cleat like mm -hmm. football. And they go, okay, you ready to go? Any earrings? No, okay, you ready to go? Guy doesn't want to come off and he doesn't have to come off. But at that point, I would think if, it, you know, you could either, either the player, as you said, either the player gets the sack or the, the gaffer gets the sack. And I mean, at one point he started to leave. I think it was Jermaine Genesis said, is he walking out of the job? Mm. You know, so it's uh, what what can I say? I, it's funny because I went on this uh, English uh, radio show a couple of days after that, and they were playing it off like it was no big deal. And I said, I don't know where I come from. That kind of petulance, that insolence, you've, and it's just a matter of saving face. Like even if the guy goes, you know, what, my hammy's okay after all. Say it doesn't matter. We've gone through these uh, histrionics here of the of the change, and now you're making me look like a complete schmuck. And at what point, though, does the manager then become responsible for that? Because you're right, the player ultimately makes the decision. And until he comes to the touchline, the substitution can't be made, even though the coach or the manager wants the sub until the player comes off. So for me, to put this on sorry is, is misplaced. Well, I listen, I think it's 100% sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> Seriously. <laughs> they even named a board game after him and a song. I'm sorry. <laughs> We're sorry. Uh, yeah. Um, if he, well, I'll tell you what, Dan, I would be on your side if he makes the sub and then Keppa goes, oh, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm fine. Don't. And then he goes like this. Oh, you're good. Okay, never mind. Go sit down, Caballero. But once he emphatically was, a vein was popping out of his head, Steve Kerr at Portland, once he went into this tantrum, ripping his jacket apart, throwing things down, and you've let this child win. And did you notice he didn't start the next game? No, he didn't. 
Interesting. And that next game was against Tottenham, which is uh, where we invariably will go next because yeah. your Spurs can all but uh, put a bow mm-hmm. on their chances of winning the Premier League after a pretty unsightly 2-0 defeat at the hands of Chelsea. Pedro with an early goal and then a gaff. Trippier and Loris, Loris and Trippier. In volleyball, we used to call it the old husband and wife play when you served in doubles between the two players and they both jump toward it, and then they both jump away from it, and the ball lands between the two. <laughs> never heard that. It's a classic before. husband and wife. Wow, you know? never no heard that. No communication. Wow. Because that's what oh it, no communication. It stems from no communication. Because in volleyball, it's all about yeah. I go mine, and then you bump set. Is it that a volleyball term, or is that like a Petaluma term? What the husband and wife? Yeah. Oh no, that's beach volleyball. That's, that's uh, Chris Marlowe, straight out of the uh, okay. of the sands. Like sands to the hourglass. <laughs> These uh, no, are the days. Thank you. Uh, Manhattan Beach, Hermosa, wow. all the pro attorneys, Chris Marlowe with the uh, with the jargon there. Yes. And uh, it's funny, the two games since Kane has come back are both losses. Losing at Turf Moor to Burnley on Saturday kind of shut it. Um, now, yeah, they're done this year. They, As I've been saying in the last few podcasts, I didn't think they had a chance anyway. But now they have to concentrate. Luckily, they're in the Champions League and they're sitting pretty for the second leg against Borussia Dortmund. But... At, with all due respect, because I know you're a Blues fan, it it's it always hurts more for me to lose to Chelsea because of my hate. And I've been to Stamford Bridge. It's it, First of all, it's like having a team called Beverly Hills. And everyone there is like Kardashian, Paris Hilton, or those like douchey frat boys with a sailboat. And they're mm-hmm. all on their mobiles. No one's watching the game. That's me to a T, it's- by the way. <laughs> Guy wearing sweats for the 84th straight day. <laughs> It's just such a plasticky atmosphere. I just, I can't stand them. The thing about Arsenal, I despise Arsenal, but Arsenal and Tottenham are both in basically Oakland. I mean, they're both in the hood. Uh, there's nothing fancy about those. And I'm not saying you have to be fancy, but to have a team called Beverly Hills and I just, and I've been to Stamford Bridge, it just has such an icky, icky feeling. Now, of course, I'm super biased because I hate them, but after going there, it's just, I hate losing to Chelsea because it's just, to me, the douchiest team in the history of soccer. With all due respect. Yes, uh, no <laughs> respect shown there and none taken. Certainly, Trippier, a great defenseman, but he and Lloris just He's, basically spursing all over themselves. And it's what you've come to expect from Tottenham in the big moments where the lights are brightest. You get your star striker back and you look poised to actually do something this year in a league that's not wide open, but you could have stayed in the hunt. And like you say, you draw Burnley and then... You lost to Burnley. Oh, you lost to Burnley and then you lose to Chelsea by your own doing in large part. And you're you're preaching to the choir. I'm a lifelong Tottenham fan. I think maybe the Freisingers of the world that have come on board in the last three years... They might be like, hey, we're going to win it. I'm like the jaded Cubs fan. It's like, no, no, no. Wake me up and we actually win it. But there's an old saying in soccer when you kick it back to the goalkeeper. Even back when you could pick it up before 1992, you never kick it in between the posts. Mm-hmm. What if the guy falls down? Now, you can knee it, chest it back, but it's got to be soft. In case he falls down, he has time to recover. I noticed early in the game, both Chelsea and Tottenham were kicking pretty crisp passes back to Caballero and, and uh, uh, Lloris. But that one, to me, is 100% Trippier's fault because had he just turned and kicked it to Lloris, it's like, I thought you were there, and like, oh, you're both stupid. He turned, he looked up at Lloris, and he's like, are you coming for it? Then he threw his arms up in the air like, are you coming for it? I, I watched this 100 times because I'm a masochist. <laughs> and then he turned, 
and he put his head down and Larice he sees Larice running out and then he makes a super crisp pass right dead center and I'm like what are you thinking you bonehead so Dan let me ask you this there have only been three Englishmen to score in a World Cup semifinal Bobby Charlton Gary Lineker of course and Kieran Trippier would you rather have that in your resume that you scored in a World Cup semifinal and then have the worst own goal of the new millennium? Is it worth it, or would you rather have neither? Yeah, it's worth it until England is able to win the World Cup without you, and then maybe it gets diminished. But the run that they had this past year to get to the semi, and granted, you lost a very winnable match, in my yeah. opinion, against uh, Modric and company. Yeah. And that, that's one you might be kicking yourself over because you really were that close, but... You scored in a World Cup semifinal. That's true. And I think it goes to, to the conversation we had with Chris Wondolowski on this mm -hmm. very podcast. It is Golasso Supremo, Rick Tittle, and Dan Dibley, asking him about his greatest failure, which was being on the doorstep of knocking Belgium out of the cup versus being on the, the precipice of being the all-time leading goal scorer in MLS. He intimated that that achievement far greater than the disappointment of the, uh, of the failure in the World Cup. No, that's a great that's a great point to remember. By the way, shout out to the Quakes. I'll be down there Saturday, opening day, brand new season. You couldn't have had a worse season. They oh, were wow. they were not just the worst team in MLS. They're one of the worst teams in the history of Major League Soccer last year. But they got the new guy in there from Chivas, Almeida, the Argentine. I'm not saying they're even going to make the playoffs, but right now they're undefeated, and 5 o'clock at Avaya, they'll be kicking it off new season. And our very own Chris Wondolowski stands one goal away from tying Landon Donovan for the most goals in MLS history, mm -hmm. and we have asked him nicely to break the record at home. So maybe a brace in the opener. Would love a brace. And away we go. I do want to look at the, uh, the Premier League table, and we'll talk a little Copa del Rey here in mm -hmm. just a bit because a very exciting fixture between Real Madrid and Barcelona mm -hmm took place earlier this week. Liverpool sitting on 69, Man City sitting on 68, each team with 10 games to go. It's got to be about as good of a race as we've seen in the past four or five years. I, you would you would hope so. I mean, it's a two-horse race officially now, and everybody else will be scrambling to get into European places. Um, I still think Liverpool's going to do it. Um, I think about those five years when England was banned and all those great teams that Liverpool had. And even when they were let back in with when Dog Leash was there as the skipper, you had the Robbie Fowler uh, team with John Barnes and Peter Beardsley, John uh, Motson. And then you go to the Spice Boys eras with Robbie Fowler and Jamie Redknapp and Jamie Carragher and all that. I just kind of feel that this is their year. But then again, when you see the workmanlike attitude of Man City and... Really, one of the most... It's funny, yesterday I was watching the game at Maggie McGarry's, which is a Man City bar, and they were playing simultaneously. So every TV and the sound was cranked, and there were 50 Man City fans. I'm in the corner by myself watching basically a Watchman. They had this little TV. <laughs> You've got to be kind of old to know what that is. Right, of course. A Watchman of Tottenham with no sound. But, <clears throat> I mean, when you look at uh, Sergio Canigero, I mean, is there... Since he's come into the league... He's been fascinating. Uh, by the way, I'll just throw a little tidbit, a little stat here, just to make maybe some Tottenham fans feel better. In 2013, since Christian Eriksen entered the Prem, no one has more assists. No one has more goals outside the box. Yeah. Think yeah, you, you shared that last week. Oh, it was, I did. It's okay. <laughs> Repeat nuggets. We're both getting a little older with, you know, memory being what it well, is. Well, and days. I always can go to CTE from the college football days. Yeah, too. and that's, that's a good stat nugget, though, and that's, yeah. it's really an interesting one mm -hmm. to be sure. Man City, by the way, is at Bournemouth. 
this week and uh, Liverpool on Sunday in the featured game, the late game, taking on Everton. Everton sitting in ninth, so that's an interesting one there and Bournemouth sitting in 12th. So each of those sides with pretty good opportunities to at least get a point on the road. Well, and you got to understand too, that is going to make or break Everton's season. They're safe. They're barely safe. But when you play in that derby, and people don't understand too. Merseyside? Yeah, if when you play in the Merseyside derby, you've got Stanley Park with two massive stadium, stadia, stadiums right next to each other. Um, <clears throat> the blue or the red half of Manchester, you're either one or the other. And you can never, it's kind of like the big game it used to be, Cal and Stanford, whoever, right. whoever stunk usually won and ruined the bowl chances. So, I mean, obviously you're going to fancy Liverpool in this. But uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't discount what it means because most likely their skipper's on their way out. He's going to be a one-and-done at Goodison. And you mentioned Stanley Park, and you talk about the, the difference space-wise between the two grounds. Mm-hmm. Using Golden Gate Park as, as kind of the, the barometer, would you say one of them would be down by the Beach Chalet Fields and the other one would be up by Sharon Meadow, three, four miles apart or even closer? Yeah, no, closer. I'd probably say like... Go Keysar to like the polo fields, okay. maybe. Kind of like that. These are some super local references. No, those, this <laughs> is great. It's a podcast. We'll go as local as we need to. And by the way, Goodison Park is on its way out. They're going to be building a brand new stadium at the, at the docks. And most Everton, I've got a couple of good friends that are Everton fans and from their liver, their liver Pudlians. They're from there. And they hate to see Goodison go, but they know that it's it's a little bit old, and they're really going to love the the new park on the docks. Yeah, twenty ninth match day coming up in the Prem, and you've got uh, Spurs sitting third on sixty points, Arsenal sitting fourth on fifty six, coming off a very impressive win against Bournemouth, in which five different players found the sheet. Mm-hmm. Arsenal at Tottenham here. That's the early game. On Saturday morning, how do you size this one up considering where the two sides are? Well, that's just it. Tottenham are a bit of a rut right now. And <clears throat> the other thing we didn't mention about Turf Moor is that uh, Mauricio Pogatino, the, the skipper for Tottenham, got himself in uh, with an FA charge. I thought what he did to Mike Dean was not deserved, honestly. And I'm a Tottenham fan. He did not deserve that berating. The ball that became a corner, that led to a goal. He didn't think it should have been a corner kick. It was a 50-50 ball. I watched it 10 times. I couldn't tell who it was off. Glutton. Yeah. <laughs> well, that one, I'm like, wait, should it be? And even if they get it wrong, <clears throat> even if they get it wrong, it's still a situation where you you don't want to blame the ref. You know, you, you lost to a team that ships goals, uh, that's trying to survive. And it can happen. This is why I love the Premier League. Um, but yet, on the other hand, I didn't think he deserved it. Sorry, I'm already four hours in. No, no, ah! no, no problem. I'm, and I have no mic uh, on off switch. No, here. if you throw your hand up, I'll I throw can, my hand up. Next I can time. ride it down. I can okay. get you down. And then we'll can... get it ambiance through yours. Yes, it will be a little bit of a <laughs> secondary audio. Yeah. Man U unbeaten in its last five, sitting on 55 points, currently one point back of Arsenal in that Champions League range. Man U hosting Southampton. So many injuries yet. They continue to find a way, able to get it done with uh, Romelu Lukaku and his two goals earlier this week. Despite the injuries, does Man U have enough to rise to Champions League level? I think they do. I mean, they're Manchester United for Pete's sake. And it's so funny how Big Rom was kind of a an afterthought to that team. That's when you know you're deep. Deep. I, 
I, I mean, ask Belgium, ask Everton what Big Rom can do for you. And uh, so they've kind of, that happens sometimes. I mean, that actually happened with Tottenham. I don't know how, why, or what happened, but Toby Alderweireld got doghoused for a while. And he then he went to the World Cup, and he was basically the best defender on the Belgian team, he and Jan Vertonghen. And they go, oh, okay, we'll start playing him again. Sometimes you get those moments, but I think through injuries, they've kind of discovered that the big Belgian, He's there for uh, waffles and chocolate. Right, and know. the occasional playing time as needed. You, you look at the bottom of the Prem, and you've got Huddersfield on 14 points. They're down. Fulham on 17. Well, the dream lives for Huddersfield coming <laughs> off a victory, and they've got Brighton this week on the road at Brighton. You can't help but think if you can pick up string wins together, you never know what might happen. You do sit 13 points free of the of the clearance, and you only have 10 remaining, so you pretty much... Need to just about run the table. Fulham on 17 points. They've got uh, Chelsea coming to their yard. And then Cardiff on 25 in the relegation zone. They're taking on Wolves. Maybe the biggest surprise in the Prem this year. I like seeing Wolves back again. Uh, all the fans up there in the black country at Molyneux. You know, you mentioned Fulham-Chelsea. Stamford Bridge is in Fulham. I mean, you talk about neighbors, neighbors, and in, in two different spectrums of the soccer world with Craven Cottage and and uh, Stamford Bridge. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's funny. I remember the 1990 World Cup team that England had. They had one guy who was from the second division. They were all first division, or what we would now say, prem. And it was uh, Steve Bull. He was the striker from Wolves. And I thought that has to be pretty studly when you're playing in the second division and you make the World Cup team. Uh, he was kind of like the, uh, he's still probably their most famous player, <laughs> to tell you the truth. But uh, yeah, we, we've seen, um, and I, I've seen it too against Wolves, they play almost this Catanacho lock type of defense. And it's not just parking 11 guys in the box. They'll come up and meet you at the halfway line. They're, they're a very well-coached team, and uh, by a Brazilian, by the way. And um, I, they deserve everything they can get. Currently 7th in the table, 13 points behind Chelsea, so really marooned, no chance for Europa, but still a, a strong performance in the return to the Premier League. Let's talk a little Spanish soccer, Rick. We've got the Copa del Rey going on, and right now it's a 2-2 aggregate Valencia and Real Batiste, nil-nil in today's second leg, so the winner of that will get Barcelona, who dismantled Real Madrid 3-0 in the second leg, what do you make of that matchup? And they didn't even really need Leo Messi from Barcelona in order to take down Madrid. I do think it was funny. I was talking to you. There was this picture of, of Modric pulling down Messi's jersey, and it said, here's the Ballon d'Or winner against the guy who finished fifth. Messi, <clears throat> the other day, with a hat trick, 50 hat tricks now. I mean, it's wow. just... How do, you, how do you even get that scrambled into your, your head, the 50 hat tricks? There is some majesty to that, and that's a double entendre word because the Copa del Rey, the King's Cup, I think that's just a great thing to call it. My favorite, one of my favorite names there is Deportivo La Coruña, the Sporting Society of the Queen's Crown. Nice. Just the, the tradition like that. Um, but anyway, getting back to your, your uh, question, listen, um, Barcelona, when they play Real Madrid, and you can call it even if it's a cup match, these are all classicos, and it's just like I was talking about with, uh, I mean, you think about your call with the Galaxy and, and the Quakes. They mean everything, right. even if it's just, well, it's three points, it's the middle of the season. No, no, for the fans, it means everything. And you look at some of the <clears throat> of the players on the pitch, and you, you talk about Suarez, who had two goals. You've got Messi, 
Busquets, Rakitic, Dembele. You're talking about some of the greatest players in the world assembled for this Clasico. So even though Barcelona's not having the year that they would have hoped and Real Madrid is going through its struggles at times, when these two teams get together, you can throw the records out, Rick. It's I got to tell you. Yeah, I know. It's a little uh, uh, crew Crookade, yeah. yeah. A little crookade. I remember the I got to tell you. I'm not, I'm not bummed at all that the Phillies got Harper. <laughs> they didn't need him. I got to tell you. How about that? After all that posturing, he goes, yeah. he goes to the place that he hates. He's still in the NL East. He's playing on a red and white team, and now the fans will hate him more. Couldn't we have done this a month ago? But uh, Apparently not. not that's Mr. For... Boris didn't want that to happen. <laughs> that's for another, another podcast. Another pod yes. for another day. <laughs> that's from uh, Baseball Supremo. Yes. Um, I forgot the question Barcelona, Barcelona sitting on 57, top of La Liga, and they were able to put the hammer to Real Madrid with Suarez getting the brace. And Suarez might need braces because he bites people so much. Can you imagine the pressure of a team like Real Madrid or Barcelona where the the minimum you can do would be to bring home the uh, the domestic cup? Um, you have to at least get to the Champions League final. Uh, you have to at least qualify for the Champions League. I mean, anything below that is a disaster. So they need silverware. They need silverware on the Ra- Las Ramblas. I remember being on Las Ramblas in, in Barcelona, and a guy came over to me, and he shook my hand, and I was so naive. I thought a guy was, like, saying, hey, you know. Welcome <laughs> to Spain. Yeah, bienvenidos a España. <laughs> And I realized there's a homeless guy, and he just took a leak on his hand. Oh no! So yeah, so just he got the- no pesetas. <laughs> I said, "Que flavor, limon." <laughs> anyway, so uh, I tore my MCL on Las Ramblas. You as did? a matter of fact, yeah. All right, let's hear this. The one. MCL is this story time because we're going to do story time. This too. will be my contribution right, to story time. All it right. was 1993. No, I'm sorry, 1995. I was in Europe for the second time. I was there with my girlfriend mm-hmm. who eventually would become the mother of my children my wife etc etc da 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 mm-hmm. we were i was kind of uh just running around i was pretty excited i was 27 years old and i went up this big brick mound there was these giant brick mounds at the foot of las ramblas mm-hmm. down by the water and i was running up one and jumping off it and doing like parkour moves <laughs> so to speak light very light before we knew about parkour there's no parkour <laughs> You just, this was called dicking around. That's what you did. <laughs> just grab ass. Yeah, full on grab ass. So I go up one mound and down the, the backside and I try to do it again and I miss my step and my foot catches late and so my knee goes all the way and hyperextends. Ah! And down I go and so off to the hospital we go because it's bad. The next morning. Can we, I cure all those Well, this is funny you say that because the next morning we go to the emergency in Barcelona and. Neither my wife nor I is fluent in Spanish, and so she goes up there, and I have her do the talking because I got no clue. Mm. And she walks up, and she goes, you know, hola, uh, ni es mal, ni <laughs> es mal. And the lady's looking at her like, what? And she's like, ni es mal. All of a sudden, the lady's like, can I help you? <laughs> <laughs> Perfect English. I got treated, and uh, the rest is just knee injury history. Wow. How was the flight home? I ended up actually sticking it out a couple more weeks in uh in Europe, I had to go soft wrap for a week and then gradually, you know, with an MCL, mm. it just needs some time to, to kind of quiet down. So soft wrap is when Eminem doesn't swear. Look at you. I wish I had uh, some sort of sound accoutrement for that humor. I'll tell a little story. I, <laughs> Please. I, it, because I'm taking notes, I write down. I've got a lot of weird stories. Um, 
I did threaten in one of our previous podcasts to tell my Rivellino story. Oh. Um, Rivellino, one of the great players of all time from uh, Brazil. He played on the 1970 Brazil team, the greatest team of all time. He was part of the greatest goal of all time. So here I am working as a volunteer, 1994 at the World Cup at Stanford with this huge tent next to Stanford Stadium, which was a terrible stadium for soccer because it had eight lanes of track, but that's all we had. <laughs> right. So <clears throat> we would go to different stations, and because of my television background, I worked in the media center. And so one day, um, Rick, for the next three hours, you're in charge of all the faxes. Remember, this is 94, right? Early, the internet. <laughs> early, early, early. <laughs> yeah, and so um, it was hard because... It would be like, you know, you would call and be like, woot, woot, pronto, mushy, mushy. And I'm like, no, 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 don't answer. So here's Rivellino. He's now a reporter. And Brazil was based on Los Gatos. And so there are Brazilians everywhere. And he's walking up and I'm like, oh, my gosh. And the mustache, I'm like, it's Rivellino. I don't want to say anything. And he's saying, uh, yes, I need to fax these to these numbers. <laughs> so I'm like going. Right, right. Whoop, whoop. Tried three times and he's going, ah, ah. He's like, oh, he's so frustrated. But here's the great line, I think, <laughs> because I said, <laughs> I'm, I'm now this one of the official sponsors is Canon, right? You know, the camera and fax company and everything. So it's real big. So this fax is brought to you by Canon. And I said, I've tried three times. I, I tried both numbers, actually each number three times. So I've tried six times. Nothing is working. And he said, my friend. It is not your fault. It is canon. <laughs> canon is useless. We know in Brazil about canon. Canon. No one buys canon. I hate canon. Not your fault. <laughs> Canon's fault. So now, whenever I see that word, I right. think it is canon. So great. <laughs> it's great. It's Golasso yeah. Supremo, Tittle and Dibley. few more minutes, I wanted to get your thoughts on Panenka. The Panenka. And I'm sure you know what a Panenka is. Because we saw one in the Copa del Rey. It's 2-0. Luis Suarez comes in to take the PK instead of Messi. And he goes Panenka on the goalie in which you don't go left, you don't go right. It's that cheeky little chip over where the goalie previously was standing. Is it disrespectful or is it just pure genius? Well, when Panenka did that. Panenka. For, was it Czech Czechoslovakia to win the championship. 1976 European Championship. You are on point as always. Yeah, and when he did it, they said, had that not worked, you would not have been allowed back into the country. That's what they told him. Um, listen, there. The, the, I would much rather be scored. If I was a goalie, I'd much rather have a Panenka go down like that than the guy who runs up and stops and then runs up and stops. All you're doing as a penalty taker is you're screwing yourself when you do that. Commit to your kick commit to it and you want to go side netting and you want a low crisp pass don't think about shooting you are making a crisp pass to the side netting that no goalie can save but guys panic and they think i have to kick it as hard as i can and they go right down the middle and they hit it into rose zed but uh, the panenka it is a cheeky move but i can tell you if i was the coach and they did that and it didn't work you'd be running a lot of laps son yes laps and uh benching and like mm -hmm. you say the man Panenka himself would have been banned from the country formerly known as Czechoslovakia. Yes. And by the way, when your dragons, if anybody tries something dumb like that, I'm going to serve uh, underhand. Right. What do you do? What's the punishment? 
you if it works, you just turn, you know, you turn the other cheek. But if it doesn't work, then it's usually a stern talking to. Okay. A yellow card caution. So it's like you're Steve Kerr. Don't take that shot. Oh, never mind. It went down. It's the old no, 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 <laughs> yes. And that's kind of what the Penenka is like. Yeah. You know, you see the chip and when it doesn't work and few of them haven't worked. Neymar has one. Raheem Sterling with a failure. Graham Zussi mm. listed among the Penenka Failures. And by the way, they should really build a statue to him in Mexico. Had it not been for that throwaway game, was it against Honduras? And he scored like in the 89th minute. Right. That put Mexico into the World Cup. Uh, Next week, we'll get into the Champions League a little bit more. I believe the second leg Mm -hmm. of the round of 16 will be in the book. So we'll review some of those and Mm -hmm. we'll look ahead to the other side of the draw as we get closer to Champions League quarterfinals and the MLS is beginning. Pretty exciting time for soccer, Rick. Yes, and hopefully next week, Galasso Supremo brought to you by... Oh, don't say it. And we'll say who it is. And we will, and uh, hopefully we will be uh, clinking glasses in celebration. This was a production of the 95.7 The Game Podcast Network. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.